The Sacred Dynamics podcast explores some of the biggest topics of our time, including the true nature of reality, the healing and awakening process, the evolution of consciousness, deception on the path, natural law, and daring to tackle the greatest of all quests, the journey of self-realization. Through conscious awareness and the law of correspondence, we engage individually and thus collectively in the restoration of humanity, embodying life itself, and our symbolic relationship with nature. Dear friends, welcome to the sixth episode of the Sacred Dynamics podcast. Thanks for connecting. In our last episode, we talked about how to decode the mind and meditation. We talked about what is the mind and what is meditation. We went through some mind training basics, the mind and frequency, mind versus self, the basics of meditation, its goal and its benefit, some history and some traditions, different ways to practice, and we gave some tips and golden nuggets for our listeners. Love those golden nuggets. Oh yeah. For today, we have prepared an amazing episode and we will cover many very interesting topics. First of all, we are going to introduce our good friend, Ian Morris. We'll go through an introduction to frequencies and sound healing. We'll take a dip into Ian's personal healing journey and how this journey gave birth to listening to smile, how sound frequencies, resonant frequencies affect us, sacred geometry and sound through semantics, what is frequency-minded music, how does it work, who is it for, and what are some of the results? Um, and of course, how can someone hear and tune to your music, my friend Ian? So wow, very, very excited for this grand episode. So, how to properly introduce our special guest today? Having been through extremely difficult life experiences and challenges, including an intense personal health journey, our guest today is not only an incredible talented musician, producer, and entrepreneur, but a heart-centric healing guide and philanthropist, and a genuine, down-to-earth, great human being. Mm -hmm. The Sacred Crew welcomes Ian Morris of Listening to Smile to this sixth episode of the Sacred Dynamics podcast. Ian, welcome. Welcome. Wow. Thank you guys so much. I'm really excited to be, you know, be here and to dive in with you guys today. Well, we nice. are about to get into this incredible content, and this is exciting because Ian is our first ever guest to the Sacred Dynamics mm -hmm. podcast. Just before we get into Ian's powerful story and amazing work, I'd like to call upon the man who puts the sacred in dynamics, <laughs> the illustrious Jay Smith. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, brother Bo. You are quite illustrious yourself, brother. Oh, thank you. Appreciated indeed. Very grateful. Brother Ian Morris is in the house. It's been years in the making and definitely a meaningful friendship as well. And uh, I'd like to mention uh, as well that Ian is the uh, musical engineer designer of even the intro music that we use here on the Sacred Dynamics podcast. So, Ooh, yeah, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. Today's topic of frequency and sound healing is definitely exciting and powerful. We have spoken on this in the past in past episodes 
And today we will go much deeper with Ian Morris. How would you say this topic relates to the healing and awakening process for our listeners, Jay? Ah, okay. Well, look, definitely exciting and definitely powerful. So yeah, let's say this, that our minds are just waves on the ocean of consciousness, resonant frequencies. Music is life. Uh, you can delegate music from life. You look at every tribe, every culture, every tradition, music is at the heart. And by the very fact of uh, individuals choosing to listen to this podcast, we could say that they're being influenced by frequency and sound. And so your choice to connect relates to an attraction to the frequencies, attraction to the sound. Yes, amazing. So pick your programming, right? And that's where we're headed with this. So, you know, with highly curated frequency expressions designed with powerful intention, with heart intention, with tuning, healing, tying into this awakening with love, with life force. I mean, this is all with, with the highest value in mind. So imagine what's possible, huh? Oh, yeah. And I love that the music, it, it comes from the heart. Indeed. It really connects indeed, right there. Indeed, indeed. And, uh, you know, um, I think that probably one of the most beautiful things that we're going to peel back today is how we are all dancing to the cosmic sound. We're all tied into it, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. So as we've... Uh, As we've mentioned in previous podcasts, the mind-body is an instrument. And based on how we interact with sensory information, we're being informed. Healing and awakening is definitely not separate from tuning and sound. Oh, yeah. Hmm? Great points there, brother. Mm -hmm. And uh, just for the record, um, you are a musician as well, Jay. This like, is this is one of the uh, roles that this, this uh, instrument takes. Yes, another facet of expression, my brother. Um, something a lot of, you know, many don't know is that I was classically trained uh, at a young age. And so I started very early in music. Uh, some, you know, so, somewhere around eight or so. And I became very focused and devoted. And, you know, within a few years, I was already traveling to music festivals and competitions and live performances. And around age 12, I was accepted into a university conservatory orchestra and so also performed and traveled. And so, yeah, like a little kid in a university orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, today I, I, I enjoy jamming with the Casita Sessions crew. Shout out to the boys, Jam Night crew. Uh, and what, what instruments do you play, Jay? Well, you know what? I started really young singing and exploring in music class. So it was kind of my voice. It was vocal when I was really young. So let's say okay. even you know, five, six, and then introduced to the transversal flute, uh, probably the recorder and some other flutes first, and then the transversal. And after a while, I started picking up other woodwinds. And so, you know, sax, clarinet, and then got into percussion. But I mean, that's probably another podcast. Oh, anyway. yes. <laughs> oh, yes. We'll do it in another podcast indeed. Right. But I mean, you're a singer at heart, aren't you? Well, I mean, uh, as, as we mentioned in previous episodes, we are all instruments and thus musicians, no? <laughs> Indeed. Um, I do like singing. And yes, I have a band and we play every week. Not much performance yet, but we're getting there. Hopefully this year we might have a couple more shows. So, yeah. And my wife is a pianist. Uh, 
And we actually operate a music school here in Baja. So yeah, very, very much connected. So much to share. So, I oh, mean, yeah. there's a lot of cool things connected, right? So, of course. And talking music, let's call upon our special guest today, mm-hmm. Ian Morris for from Listening to Smile. Ian, once again, we are so glad you are here and now with us. Mm. Please share a little bit of your personal story, a bit about what you've been through, um, your healing journey, and maybe how this led to what you're doing now. No? Yeah, man. So you guys are just awesome guys, man. Uh, the, the energy and just the creativity that I, you know, I'm a very intuitive person and I just, I can see you guys and I'm, I'm feeling the vibes, man. So I'm just really glad to be here and to be part of this. And I feel like a kindred spirit with you guys. So, um, yeah, so I was really lucky. My dad was a musician. Um, I remember, when I was a little kid, like taking my uh, matchbox cars and like rolling it over his records, you know, like playing on his records all the time. He'd be like, don't mess up my records. You know? <laughs> so it's like, but, you know, he had like 2,500 vinyl records and he had a piano, cello, violin, guitars, you know, saxophones, like just tons of instruments in our house. And we really, as kids got to play on whatever we wanted to. And so we were just really lucky. My sister, played the oboe and the violin. And so there was just a lot of music in my house. And I was just really fortunate to grow up with that and and to be subjected to so many different genres and styles of music. Like I remember some of the first bands that my dad showed me was like Weather Report. You know, if you guys know that kind of progressive jazz uh, Mm. group um, and like Tower of Power and like Miles Davis, John Coltrane, uh, Thelonious Monk, The Beatles, Led Zeppelin, you know, just tons of of music. But he also showed us like Appalachian music and like classical music and just tons of music all the time. So having that as a foundation helped tremendously. Um, And then basically, uh, I started, you know, strangely enough, the first bands I ever played in were punk and metal bands, right? So when I first started really getting into it, that's where I started. And then I grew into like doing cover bands. And then I started playing with uh, people that were a little more progressive. And I felt really stretched to play with them. I had to become a better musician to be able to jam and play with them. And so that made me better. And I think it made me explore other things like um, kind of like neoclassical. And I started getting into world music instruments like the pipa and the um, the moon guitar. It's a Chinese instrument. Um, What's the pipa? It's a it's an upright uh, instrument. It's got three strings. It's a Chinese instrument. It's uh it's really interesting. The Yu Chen is an instrument that is from the lute family, but it's mm. three strings and it's like a big circle. It looks like a banjo, but it has a shorter neck. Mm. And they all just have really unique sounds. And so I started playing that in some of the bands that I was in. We had like cello, violin, and my my instruments that I would play, and we had a bass player and a drummer. And it was just a lot of fun. So I I got to explore. A lot of music and then i'll fast forward this so we don't we're not here forever but basically i um when i was 23 years old i started a nonprofit working with underserved kids with music and art lessons and in that nonprofit, i started seeing how music was more than entertainment it was changing these kids lives they were developing personalities becoming more outgoing they were getting more confidence in their 
you know, uh, self and just really, I could really see, you know, kids that came into the program very shy at the end of the year, they're like, we don't need you anymore. We're going on tour for ourselves, you know? (laughs) And so it was just really neat to watch that. So when I started seeing that, um, you know, it was just a really, um, eureka moment where I started seeing Uh music as more than just entertainment. It was something that was deeper. And so that's when that must have been 2008, uh, 2009 and 2010, 2011, uh, you know, I started becoming ill, uh, and, and so ultimately was diagnosed with MS and colon cancer. And one of the first things I, uh, was given from friends was a person gave me the book, Louise, Hey, you can heal your life. Mm-hmm. And another person gave me the healing power of sound by uh, Dr. Mitchell Gaynor. And it was a, a cancer doctor that was working with sound with his patients, And so both of those books just came to me at really crucial times. And I was actually reading them simultaneously because I had, I did, I was a musician. I didn't have health insurance where I could uh, do the treatments that they were wanting me to do. Um, And so, yeah, long story short, I took the holistic path, started getting into breath work, meditation, sound healing, started looking more into nutrition and food combinations and learning more, taking more responsibility and my healing. And so uh, the music was one of the most powerful things that helped me get into meditation because I was the kind of person that could not sit still. You know, I'm an, I'm an artist, a poet, and a musician. So I'm constantly thinking of things that I want to make and create. And you do. sound a bit creative. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and I'd, yeah. I, could, I, could I really quickly just interrupt yeah. you for one sec? Because everything that you've said is so powerful that... No, it's like we just we just spent uh, five minutes on like an exotic uh, level of life experience, and we just kind of we were hitting these points. And I wanted to point out these just for a sec for the you know for our listeners that you know that you're talking about this level of music that you were raised with, and then how it came into this philanthropic. Uh, uh, level that you had started to introduce to your experience. And then as you're going through this, and then you get this, uh, you know, pretty, I would say pretty major diagnosis for, for, you know, most people. And then it seemed like you just kind of were already looking for your responsibility in it. And, and I just found that to be profound that I just needed to stop the, the soul train for a sec, just, just to stop on that and say, that's profound that you yeah. were saying, what is my part in this? And not saying, woe is me, you know, someone help me. Uh, I don't know what to do. You're like, what's my part? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, just to be clear, I was woe is me <laughs> for the beginning, right? <laughs> okay. And, and I think, yeah. And I think like what happens is you, um, so... I had a really kind of crazy childhood. I was kicked out of my house because I could not uh, deal with how different I was from everyone in my family. It was a very challenging experience for me. And so at 16, I left home. And so this whole time I have been on my own. So one of the things that you quickly learn is you can bitch and complain and cry and, and do the woe is me, but eventually you still have to keep going. You have to pick yourself up 
and keep moving. And so I think that's one of the lessons that life taught me the most Absolutely. was that when things arise like that, and, and um, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with St. Francis of Assisi or Martin Luther uh, as religious figures, but for me, uh, those two guys really stand out the most because they really did complain. They really did have this duality that they were, you know, surfing. And ultimately you saw at the end, they rose to the occasion and did these like really life-changing things through spirit and co-creation. Mm -hmm. And for me, they just really stand out as historical spiritual figures that, um, cause I remember reading a, a book about Martin Luther and they said that he would be like cursing God in the monastery at night and just be so frustrated with life and all the things going on. But everyone said that he would get up the next day and be bright as a bird doing all the work and praising God. And then he would go back and do the same thing at night. And I just would laugh reading this, like thinking like what a human experience this was. Right. right? And so I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I think that that's one of the things that I've tried to do with our company is to really come at this bridge between science and uh, some of the woo-woo and, you know, bridging that together for, for more mainstream and, and, and newbies that are getting into this work to be able to say, like, I see both sides of this. I see the bridge and the, and the groundwork that's laid, and I'm curious enough to walk to explore this. And I think we've tried to create something where we're not on a pedestal. We're not perfect. We don't have all the answers. We're saying this is some of the things that's worked for us. This is some of the things that we've seen work with our clients and affiliates. Maybe it'll work for you, you know, and it's not really giving any kind of guarantee or giving any kind of um, higher, you know, uh, like pedestal approach. It's like we're on the same level as you. It's just we might have explored some other things that you have not at this point. You know what I mean? So it's an invitation. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Very nice. Wow. What, Super nice. What about the, I'm just wondering, I cut you off at some point there just because I just wanted to point out to the listeners this, you know, just to slow it down because you hit so many points, but not to deflect completely from that because there is yeah. a, uh, there is kind of this, I think that there's this kind of uh, path that started to forge and where you were expressing it was. So you went through these difficult health uh, opportunities. And how did you, so, so you basically said that you had gotten this, uh, you know, you kind of started to lean on sound. And so yes. if you take us there for a second, just give us the, the shift here, how it moved into sound and how the sound started to move into, uh, evolving and developing what you're, what you do now and how, uh, and, and, and how you got past those diagnosis or, or. Yeah. Well, so I guess it, what's really important is I really thought I was going to be a baseball star. I was a pitcher. I wow. played baseball uh, from T-ball all the way to high school. Um, when I was in 10th and 11th grade, I had professional scouts from, you know, pro teams that were coming and trying to talk my coaches into going pro, like trying out for pro teams and bypassing college. I had colleges that were looking at me. Um, it was just there was a lot of people coming to my games and it started being more and more pressure like to perform. But the reason why everyone was coming was because I was a pitcher that could hit home runs and I did it pretty frequently. 
So I remember one of the games that I was, uh, I had 14 strikeouts. I pitched two hitter and I hit two home runs at bat. And wow. so like, yeah, so, so there was. <laughs> we got a, a serious champ on the line here. Oh my God. <laughs> Not so, only the musician, so, the music part, but also the baseball. That's nice. Impressive. <laughs> but, um, and so my dad's dad played minor league baseball. My dad played baseball. And so that was another thing that was passed down. And I just, my idol growing up was Roger Clemens and Nolan Ryan. And I just watched their mechanics of how they pitched. And I constantly threw baseballs in my backyard like every day. And so I remember uh, in 10th and 11th grade, I was getting into the high 80s and, or, you know, low 90s of throwing uh, a baseball, you know, I had some, some speed. So um, one of the games I was running around the bases in 11th grade and between first base and second base, I just passed out. And when they took me to the hospital, they um, said that I had mitral valve prolapse, which is like a valve issue. Um, and it's something that, you know, won't kill you. I guess it can, if it's severe enough, but most of the time it doesn't, but they, I had a heart arrhythmia. So it was like the arrhythmia with the valve issue at the same time, cut off the oxygen supply. So I passed out. So when all the scouts found that they all just, they were gone. They you know, disappeared. It was just like, he's broken. And so he, it's over. So I, um, how, it was how a, did you take that? That must've yeah, been, that, must've been tough. Yeah. So it was a dark night because you're, my whole life I had like in little league, I had um, police officers that would come just with their radar guns to see how fast I was throwing. And um, I remember umpires that would tell me like, you're going to play in the pros, you know, like just different people all through my life would constantly tell me that. So when, when you, you start believing it at some point, right. And then when that was taken away, it's like, you're searching for an identity of like who you are now. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I started, you know, doing drugs, hanging out with the party crowd and like uh, just kind of giving up on life. And so, you so know, you were in we, the avoidance, the party crowd. This is like now we avoid. Now we distract. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I think out, as well as distracting, I was still in the uh, later evening hours, you know, later at night, I was saying like, what, it, you know. Maybe I should just die. Maybe there's nothing else left. Maybe I've ruined my chance. Maybe, you know, blah, 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 all that stuff, that those stories that we tell. And um, for whatever reason, I started painting and I started painting on cardboard boxes and just anything that I could find laying around the house. And I really started developing. And then I eventually ended up getting canvases and doing paintings. Well, one day, one of my friends came over to my house and he was looking at all the poetry that I was writing on my coffee table. And he was looking at all the paintings in my kitchen. I had like four paintings going at the same time. And then I had like a little recording studio in my bedroom. I was living in a one bedroom apartment uh, just by myself. And uh, my friend came over and he's like, man, you're a homemade genius. (laughs) And I said, a homemade genius. I was like, what does that mean? He's like, you're doing all this stuff in this house, but nobody out there knows. Like you haven't taken it to show anyone or put Mm -hmm. it out there. So he talked me into doing these events where we would show my poetry and showcase some of the music and then invite other people to do the same. And it ended up becoming the nonprofit. And, you know, about a year later, we started doing concerts and art shows in conjunction with each other. Wow! And then that grew, nice. that grew to so many families coming saying, could you teach our kids to play music like you. And so we ended up opening a school a year later with 15 teachers 
And it was about a 6,000 square foot venue. And it just, we started teaching lessons after school and then hosting events on the weekend. And it became a really cool spot. And it was just uh, something that taught me a lot. But that was like the evolution of like losing myself, stepping into this release work and therapy through painting and then developing uh, another outlet that was also not just uh, giving to me, but it started giving to the community and to other people. And then that's where I really saw the shift of like music and art and poetry and dance can be more than just entertainment. It can be therapy and it can be something that helps people evolve emotionally and spiritually. And so then when I got sick and went through that time, uh, the biggest thing was the, the meditation but the hardest thing for me to do was to sit still and the music isn't that is what that sounds it. very uh oh, that's yeah. very common though as well sitting still right yeah. it's pretty hard yeah. it's Indeed. pretty hard it's really hard at the start that's for sure yeah 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 and so the music uh gave me the ability i started with binaural beats and i remember calling my mom because over the years we developed uh you know uh forgiveness and love and you know developed that relationship more um but I remember telling her, I said, it's like I'm sitting in the quiet of the storm. And this is, you know, I was 30, early 30s. And I said, this is the first time I've ever known peace because I wasn't mm. per pushing myself to become something like a superstar. Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to do anything except just chill myself out. Be present. You know? Yeah. So you, <laughs> yeah. this is profound because you this cut, is very... right? Because you cut, as soon as you cut the outcome out. And, and, and as soon as you received the, uh, the reception of now, you automatically started to get it. Yeah. How profound, huh? Oh, yes. And, I, and what I find really interesting is that, um, I mean, we've, we've shared in previous episodes that uh, our health opportunities as well, Jace and I, and um, it's very curious that now you mentioned the word peace because it's been mentioned in the three uh narrations of the uh, of these experiences and so i definitely find interesting that peace is one of these key words or key concepts that you know uh, grounds someone to the reality of what's going on and and you know it, it kind of like takes people to make very important decisions at that point when they finally find that profound peace yes yeah i um so the music helped me find that, right? It helped me quiet the mind enough. And one of the things that I found was the more that I was searching for other things that were more artsy and maybe pushing the edge of what meditation music could be, not so cookie cutter, I wasn't really able to find the stuff. And so then there was this drive inside that was like, well, create it, make it, make what you're looking for that's not out there. And so, you know, I had, um, during this time, I really went, you know, behind me, I've, the last 15 years, I've carried these books with me, you know, everywhere. And, you know, there's Rumi and Hadez poetry in here. There's, you know, Kyle Gibran. Um, there's tons of, you know, uh, books on spiritual, but the, some of the, the key points for me. I was thought like, you were in the public library. I thought you were calling us from the library. <laughs> but but um like Wilhelm Reich and um uh you know different people like Jose Silva mm -hmm. and um 
uh, Buckminster Fuller and, you know, just all of these different, yeah, visionaries and people that were really pushing like what our perception of life is and, and perspectives and then using science or technology or spirituality to expand. And so I started saying to myself, like, I want to be a part of the way that these guys have inspired me. I want to give back to other people and inspire people to take dives and to become more curious about different responsibilities and maintaining and balancing our health. And so um, I started looking at creating music that was artsy, pushing the bounds a little bit of like what people would say is traditional music, and then just putting it out in the world, yoga studios, holistic centers, anywhere that would, you know, let me come and set up and do the events. And what I started noticing was at these events that I was doing, uh, there was people very similar to me, people that were going through cancer, people that were going through depression, searching for their identity. And I started thinking like, how strange all the things that I've been going through for the last three to five years, all these other people are being attracted into these events where someone might be just a little bit further ahead of where they're at. And I think that um, it just creates such a um, community, you know, interaction where people feel safe and and uh free enough to ask questions and say well did this ever happen to you what is it what do you do when this happens and and to just share information and and literally that's what built this company was just people sharing information bringing community together and having a focus on sound healing and meditation and then learning from these experiences you know each one that you host each interaction each person you meet you're taking something away and becoming a different person and you're able to then channel that into the work. And I think that it's one of the reasons that um, for me, this is such a fulfilling uh, passion is that I'm able to be myself and most of the people accept it. You know, like there's, you know, some people from here, you know, here and there, they'll say, oh, I didn't like the song so much. And I'm like, that's okay. You're not going to like everything that I do. Right. You know, it's like, <laughs> but it's like, there's lots of feedback of just people saying like how this music engaged with them and helped them. And I think it's because I've been actively listening every time we host an event and getting feedback and listening to what people say and, and trying to really dial in some of the foundational points and facets that are really creating uh, connection and, and breakthroughs for people where they feel safe enough and free enough, but are challenged just a little bit to grow into to a new space. And I think that that's why we've been successful these last few years at growing um, so rapidly. And I think it's just been really a humbling experience to be a part of and something that's even challenged me as a creator and an artist. Oof, challenge. Wow. How important is the challenge, huh? Oh, yes. Talking Think about the hero's journey or what? Absolutely. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's... Uh, quite impressive what you're saying and and I want to congratulate you because uh, you're talking about giving back you're talking about you know being conscious and aware of other people being in the same situations and how something that really helped you uh, can help others in a very profound way um, so Ian I have a question um, how would you better simplify for our listeners um, how sound affects uh, a person yeah so 
I try to make this really simple because you can get really scientific and like, you know, break down all these different ways. But for me, I always use this example because I feel like it's really relatable. We all have that friend who's like super into conspiracy, super into like observing all the things wrong in the world. And if we spend a lot of time with them, we start noticing that we start kind of focusing on these same things that they're focusing on, you know, in my, in my uh, experience, it's really like the same way if someone happy walks into a room and they're just walking on clouds and they're super happy, it's infectious. You know, it's like, it's a resonant energy that connects with you. And you're like, man, this guy is so happy. He's so full of life. And it like, it inspires you to kind of step into that energy in your own body. And so I really believe that how sound works is very similar. There is an energy in us that can be at a um, normal level, or we can be dipped in lower vibration, you know, by taking in the wrong source of media, eating the wrong kind of foods, being uh, unproductive and feeling depressed, or, you know, just things that happen in the normal human experience. Mm -hmm. But this music and sound, I really believe that um, ultimately, I'll just say this, math creates rhythm, rhythm creates emotions, and emotions, create. Uh, you know, when brought together, emotions create connectivity. And so in that connection, I think we have the human spirit where the heart is able to actually kind of um, transcend different levels of reality and connect with people in very intimate ways. And I think that uh, sound is such a universal language that it is just like that friend that comes in the room that's like walking on clouds and, and, and has this infectious energy. And it's this resonance that you say, man, that's missing in my life, right? And I mm-hmm. want to step into that. Or this guy's on the same vibe as me. And I really love it. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I just feel like, it's and you know and like that I had a friend when I was explaining this one time he's like well what about the people that just get so upset about people and they're like you're just too happy and I'm like well there's something there there's something to look at right there's something mm-hmm. of like why is this so triggering to you mm-hmm. that this person is so happy and full of life so there's something to look at there so I feel like all of the sounds like there's times when we do a meditation and someone will say this sound really gets on my nerves like this one instrument is so like annoying to me and i'm like well we should look into that like what is this pulling out for you or triggering for you or making uncomfortable for you that you need to either release or to deal with in a different way that's so that you can move to the next phase of whatever your lesson in this Mm -hmm. is what are you holding Um, holding back on yeah yes wow very nice um thanks for sharing that uh jay would you like to add something to this piece right now well you know what? That was beautiful, brother Ian. That was awesome. And, you know, I think that to, if I could add to it, it would only be just to say that, you know, we have all of this phenomena coming through our senses. And as we relate to this phenomena, as we find uh, aversion to, or we find um, a Uh, You know, either there's this aversion where it's like, oh, that sound, there's something about that. Or there's this Mm -hmm. affinity where it's like, give me more of that. And (laughs) it's like we're shaping towards the song that's playing here. And, you know, I always say that this is the keynote, that we're emanating a keynote vibration. And so 
when another instrument is playing, it is referring to some resonance within us that we may be out of, uh, of acceptance to, towards, you know, and we need to round that out. We need to round out the things that we, you know, the, the, the sages would say that you need to go beyond your likes and dislikes. You need to go beyond your affinities and aversions. And so to go beyond it is to accept it and to receive it and to see how it relates to one. And then one can uh, relinquish the uh, disharmony or the distaste. No? Yeah. Very nice. Super interesting. I mean, uh, for me, um, this whole thing of sound and frequency music, all of it, it's uh, it's quite new. I've been, you know, studying and practicing for maybe a year, a little bit more, but it's really, really amazing how, uh, you know, the power it has over different situations and, and possibilities, of course. Mm -hmm. No? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Possibilities are unlimited. Only the mind is the limit. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and what is positive and what is negative, relatively speaking, towards health? You know? You're asking me? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to point it out and maybe Ian wants to jump in too. I would say that, again, I think this relates to the harmony and balance of frequency vibration, active and inactive energies, masculine and feminine. Mm -hmm. This is this whole concept. We've got a sine wave. You've got the positive version, the negative version. There's some impact there. And so, you know, the sine wave, which is a curving wave that repeats basically, um, which is basically all waves, um, the length of this repeating curving wave is wavelength. And so, you know, depending on where you are along the wave from center, you draw a line down the middle, you got a balance point and you start to see this equalizing effect. And so, you know, this is kind of how we, we start to round out our relationship between active and inactive, positive mm -hmm. and negative, right? What do you say, brother Ian? Yeah, well, like when you're mixing music, there's points where if there's frequencies from instruments that are fighting for the same space, one of the ways in mixing that you can actually balance those is one of the instruments you're going to that are sharing the same space, you pull one to the lower, like negative, and you leave the one that's going into the positive there. And those instruments can coexist in that same state and have you know the separation where you hear the instruments. But it's like you're carving out space where there is, you know, that they're offsetting each other instead of canceling each other out. Mm. Um, and so it's just, it's, I feel like our body organs are the same way. There's different things. Like, let's say someone's having um, issues with like diabetes, right? So for me, my dad was diabetic and I was actually diagnosed with diabetes when I, and this was 2019, uh, during the pandemic, uh, whole thing, right. 2020. And, um, and so I was eating healthy. I was eating vegan food and I had done all this stuff to heal myself. But during, uh, COVID I was eating tons of nuts, right. I was just like, cause I, I was like working a lot and like trying to make things happen. Cause I think everyone was in that situation. Like, Oh, this has never happened before. We got to reinvent our business and figure out how we're going to do this. So I would just get like a handful of, of nuts and like eat the nuts and just like keep working. And so I don't think I was realizing how much, uh, like I was eating like peanut butter and nut milk and, you know, all kinds of just different 
fatty. You were things, going nuts. Yes, I was going nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and in my head, I was like, this is all plant based, so it's it's healthy. Well, what I learned was the liver can get oversaturated with fat, like it just gets you know clogged up. And one of the things that the liver does is when we eat food, it stores the natural sugars. And so if its receptors are open, that it can pull that in and store that whenever your blood sugar gets out of balance, it actually, you know, releases some of that sugar to keep you in balance. Like if it dips, it'll put, it'll bring you back up. But if you clog your liver, what they would call a fatty liver, when that happens, it, it loses that ability. So then it kind of defaults to the pancreas and the pancreas is only meant to be like an emergency generator. It's not supposed to carry that full function. So what ends up happening is the pancreas breaks down and then you've got a full blown diabetic person. So the reason I'm saying that is for me, one of the things that I had to do was the positive fat that was just coming in. I had to start doing less fat. You had to equalize it. I had to equalize it. This is the sine wave. Exactly. So, so the diet I switched to was high fruit. And what's really interesting is doctors will tell you this is, you can't do that because fruit has sugar, but the fruit sugars are much more healthy for you. Don't get us started on the doctors, bro. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) We got, this is a hole. Let me tell you. (laughs) Um, I'll, I'll finish this real quick, but I'll just say that I, I was eating. What was challenging for me is the American diet. If you look at it, the amount of fat that people are consuming at each meal is ridiculous, right? Yeah. Um, and so I was going, I switched to eating about six grams of fat per meal for about a year and a half. And then what I was doing is I was doing high fruits and alkaline, you know, food based foods. And what ended up happening was I reversed so much that I went to hypoglycemia where mm-hmm. I was like dropping sugar constantly. So then I went to a metabolic eating and I restabilized myself, but I needed that year of cleansing with that low fat, high fruit sugars, and it cleansed my liver. And so by doing that, it helped me reverse diabetes without medicine or doing any kind of uh, surgery or any kind of pharmaceuticals. It was all based on the food. And so that I'm just saying that to say, like, I was over you know, uh, doing it with fat. So I had to negatively go into that to kind of rebalance that organ that it could have the functionality back. And I think sometimes our bodies are in the high levels of stress, anxiety, cortisol, all these, you know, stress hormones, um, that we're producing. And so the answer is peace, right? It's to find that negative. That's always the answer, isn't it? (laughs) Oof. You know what, what you're saying, I want to, I want to point out because, you know, uh, it, the, the, the sacred dynamics camp, we are plugged into the, uh, into the Germanic new medicine. And there are other levels of gradient or other spectrums here that are related to biological conflict shock. And so there's more to it than it levels even to the diet. But the interesting point we're really significant here is that you know, as we are talking about the sine wave and as we're talking about input output and equalization, this is what we're speaking towards. And then, as you mentioned, you blast peace through this thing. And what does it do? I mean, you know, it's like this white noise, clear the plate. There's patterns that are running that are interfering, as you mentioned, and they start interfering. And so we need to, we need to 
you know, blast white noise through that deal. And that's kind of what the whole introduction of, and now we start kind of tying into the, the levels that don't need to be so scientific, that are more intuitive, that one would yeah. say, wow, you know what? I mean, these guys, we could sit here and start to dive deeper into uh, relative knowledge and science, but I mean, wow, how, uh, how moving is it that it doesn't matter what your, what your education level is in, in relative knowledge, anyone could look at it and go, no doubt, there's all this interference going on. Now you introduce these waves that are cleansing and clearing away this interference. And all of a sudden it starts to shift patterns. And this is what we're operating because our keynote is this, this, um, this like wave packet that has all these sub frequencies in it. And it starts to go through and starts to dial all these sub frequencies so that they can speak and communicate well together. And, yeah. and I just unraveled traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine. I just unraveled all of it. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> we did together. <laughs> wow, this is great. Um, yeah, uh, one, one question, um, and it's, you know, a little before going into listening to Smile so that you can walk us through a little bit of what you're doing in your company. But um, what's the deal with the whole 432 hertz, 440 hertz, all of these, you know, all of these... Um, uh, topics that we're looking at in 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 different places, and people sometimes mention them. How do you approach them? How do you and the scandal on that one? There's a scandal <laughs> on that 440 deal, isn't there, Ian? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's interesting. Um, I won't get into it too crazy, but um, I'll say this: in World War II, the the Nazi scientists, the the German scientists, when they were working on research and development, their biggest thing was to give their country technology, like a technological advance, you know, um, uh, like an edge. Focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, an advantage uh, to and and it happened. Like there's so many stories. Like I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Admiral Byrd story, oh, yeah. where he went. Antarctica, Antarctica, baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that whole story shows you like how much ants they were like the, the battle between the US Army and them or Navy, I guess it lasted like six minutes. And, <laughs> you know, they basically had the the enemy had no downed uh, aircraft and basically sent them on retreat. And they were just when he came back, he was saying that they ha basically had fighter jets lasers, you know, zero, you, you know, gravity defying uh, devices. And, you know, so my point in saying all that is from what I understand from my um, looking into and, and kind of diving into some of uh, the information that's coming out, the U.S. Army did not go into World War II because they were, you know, trying to be this authority figure and protect, uh, you know, the internment camps and all of the 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 atrocities that were you know led on the jewish people all of that came out from what i understand when they were already had boots on the ground and they were discovering these places and they were like holy crap like mm -hmm. you know what is going on here well the real reason that i from what i understand is that spies from the u.s army you know and and intelligence agencies were getting back getting into some of these facilities and getting pictures of some of the technology that they were working on, which was the first, you know, jet fighters, 
um, laser technologies, all kinds super of super advanced tech, super advanced tech. And so if you guys know anything about the Germans, they were highly into and affected by the occult, right? So there was a lot of, from what I understand, there was a society called the Viril Society uh -huh. that did a lot of channelings mm -hmm. and they were channeling in these communications from ex, you know, uh, like interdimensional beings that were sharing blueprints and information with the Germans and they were building these things from, from this interaction. And so talk about this with like the average person. They're like, Oh, this guy's crazy. Right. But what's interesting. Ian went nuts <laughs> on us. We had this yeah, podcast yeah. going and then he started talking about the real society. And it got yeah, so weird. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, the thing that's so funny about all this is that they were looking at music and from what i understand and the research i've done they were looking at the intervals between the notes and the scales of these tunings and one of the things that they found in 440 they called a dissonant frequency or the devil's interval and they were looking at how it affected plant life animals humans and they were seeing that there was a stagnant energy around these this tuning um and traditionally like concert pitch was 432 there was even some people that were recording at 444 in different you know points in history and just to and pause that, just to pause real just for a sec i just wanted to mention because there's there could be people even right now listening and going okay you're talking about these numbers but when we say <clears throat> when we say 440 and when we say 432 we're talking about 432 hertz and hertz is the cycles per second. This is how many times the wave is oscillating in a second, right? Just so people kind of get a grab, even though if they don't know it, it's like we're talking on different levels of scale of how many times that wave is moving within a second, right? Yeah, and standard tune was introduced because uh, the theory was all these different musicians in different countries and different villages and different towns were coming together and playing music and they wanted to have something that was a common like a commonality between them so where they could play pieces of music together. So they would dub it the standard tune and have everyone tuned to that tuning so that everyone could play their instruments together. And so um, what I find really interesting and what I think is the conspiracy or you know whatever around this whole thing is A equals 440 was introduced through these research and development of these Nazi scientists. Well, a lot of people are like, well, what does that have to do with America? Well, there's a, a Operation Paperclip where we went over in World War II and scooped up all the scientists and brought them over and established what today is NASA. Yep. And they also also were introduced into the CIA and all these other yep. uh, ones of the U.S. Bring so, the scoundrels yeah. home and get them to work <laughs> yeah. for us. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Classic. So, so interestingly enough shortly after that the rockefeller foundation and the henry ford foundation started, dun, dun, pushing, dun. started pushing for a equals 440 to be introduced into the school systems and for music to be introduced in that way mm. and um and so for me uh i so people all the time ask me can i should i stop listening to a equals 440 and I'm like, I, I laugh because I'm like, man, that means you have to stop listening to the Beatles, man. Like, Dana. <laughs> Basically <laughs> like, everything. Yeah, everything. So, so basically I tell them it's like, you know, when I'm eating food, for the most part, I try to eat healthy as I can. But there's times where my body's like, I want a cookie or I want, you know, uh, you know, fruit juice. That, and it's like, it's not the fruit, it's just the juice. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to do it today. You know, <laughs> it's right. like, so all in moderation, like, you're saying. 
Yes, all in moderation. And I think that when I, when I start talking to people about frequency-minded music, the idea is, is that from the start of your morning to night, like if you start a, your day off with a piece of vibrational music and you put an intention to that and you put some kind of practice to that, you've already put yourself ahead of the curve majorly from what most people do in starting their day. And so then I was like, at lunchtime, maybe you're not able to do that. But when you come back at night in the evening, you know, and maybe during the day you're listening to Beyonce or Jay-Z or something. And then at night you come back and you put in, you put in the meditation music, you set your intention for sleep and you, you know, calm yourself and you center yourself. I was like, it goes a long way than the people, you know, for more than you think for the, and then, you know, versus the people who are going through life. Uh, eating junk food every day, not having any practice or focus in that intentionality, and then consuming a lot of the mass media uh, vibrational, you know, things that they're taking. You're saying, you're saying, basically, you're saying, you know, there's, there's a great impact with what, as we call in sacred dynamics, we talk about the wake and sleep transfers, which are the low hanging fruit, very significant aspects. Absolutely. You're saying you introduce it into here and you're talking about moderation. You're talking about, look, where it's not like all of a sudden everyone needs to, oh, what are you eating? Stop eating that. Ah, and everyone freaks out. And then they have more stress about that than the actual body stress they took on. Mm. And, you know, I just want to point out one piece. And that is that there's still uh, a point made here that is that 432 hertz is a resonant frequency that is very pleasing to our structure. And 440 introduces a level of disharmony. It has a embedded in, there's a level of frequency that's got a grind in it. And so essentially what we're talking about here is that without making it be too dramatic, this is like weaponizing-ish the sound and so is it it's just that it's taking the edge off of the uh individual being uh in a unified state their keynote gets a buzz to it and then this kind of maybe plays into and it's just a perspective but maybe that also plays into control mechanism and someone being you know off a little right so this is like almost just introducing this a bit of off nature to it because isn't it that maybe before our contemporary times people already knew that music was from the heart that connected us and they knew that what they were playing was uh unifying the tribe yeah yeah um road you're gonna say something i can feel it what you got? come on ro <laughs> well i have get in here i have a, a ton of questions you know <laughs> now that you're that you're uh, sharing this uh, 440 uh, frequency um of course you know uh, a question pops into my mind and, and and that is how does one uh, know which frequencies to use and when no because you know for for our listeners it would be amazing if we could just open a little bit more this um uh, information, uh, how many frequencies are there, uh, how do I choose from one to another, depending on what situation I'm in, and that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So um, I know it'll probably be before you guys air this episode, but um, July 31st, we have a seven-day challenge. And what we're doing is 
we're basically challenging the people who come. It's a low level entry. It's $57 for the seven days. And what they get is every day, every morning and every evening, they have tracks to listen to. And our challenge to them is to listen to this music and for seven days straight without any other stimulations, right? It's to use these pieces of music, set their intention and have a cleanse on for like media, you know, like movies, uh, film, music, and just like take seven days to kind of cleanse the palate, use this music and kind of get in touch with yourself in a little different way. Love and it. to notice to have journaling from day one to day seven and to see what has changed for them. And so this is one of the ways that we suggest to people is to explore for themselves and find the things that are really speaking to them, resonating with them, and to kind of double down on those, to kind of explore that in a way like, okay, this worked for you when you were in a happy state, but can you go back to this 528 frequency when you're in a very uh, stressed out state? Does it work the same for you? And so finding like different points of engagement like that can really help people zone in on their resonant frequency and things that are really speaking to them and adding value. Mm -hmm. um, and so then the other level that we do is I have a thing that I call personal frequency coaching, where basically we're working individually with people. And it's really, for me, one of my favorite things to do because binaural beats are super powerful, but I feel like they are 50 Can, can you explain what that is real quick? Because I, I know what it is, but I think that probably for our listeners, binaural, I, people are hearing this now. But I think still they're going, that sounds like a scientific term. W what exactly does that mean about the binaural? Because I, I, obviously there's the bi part of it. So maybe. Yeah. So it's two individual tones that are at different frequencies in the left and right speaker of the headphones. Hmm. And you and to have the full effect of the binaural beat, you need to have the headphones on to really experience this in the correct way. But let's say that I put 100 hertz in the left speaker and I put 104 in the right speaker. So what happens is there's a wobble and that's what people call the beat. So it, it creates that because those are different uh, tones, different um, hertz, the cycles per second, what happens is it creates this wobble and it sounds very much like like Wow, that. you do it pretty good. Yeah, that sounded just like it. <laughs> that sounded that's just like it. That's how you make all this music. <laughs> <laughs> nice but, one. But, um, yeah, so that wobble, what ends up happening is the more that you listen to that wobble, it starts to come together as one tone, right? And so when that happens, that's the synchronization of the left and right hemispheres. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, music push-ups. Yes, exactly. Um, and so that in the 70s, there was a uh, organization called the Monroe Institute. Um, and Robert Monroe was the founder. He used this technique to travel out of his body, to have astral projections. And so he ended up working with the CIA, creating the Gateway Project, if you guys are familiar with that. Yep. And so, but one of the things that's interesting about this is when you put on the headphones and you feel this, um, so like if we were doing 100 hertz and 104 hertz, like I said, um, what ends up happening when that synchronization takes place is what the brain is actually hearing is the difference between the two. So it, it hears it hears a four hertz signature, and then the brain will fall into that pattern. So it's a frequency follow response that the brain will emulate mm. what you're putting into, you know, into it. It'll start generating that as a frequency follow response. And so that um, 
tidbit of science, uh, a lot of different scientists from the Monroe Institute and on, you know, as it's developed into more modern uses, uh, people have used it for pain management, for astral travel, for using um, different brainwave states like human targeting. programming. It, yes, exactly. And to, there's always yeah. these. There's there's always two ways to to do Don't things. Don't forget though. the nefarious side. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's always two sides to the coin, right? Yes. But um, but you know, it's it's interesting because what we have found is I grew up dyslexic. Uh, I you know was very challenged in the traditional learning models, and when I started using this music, my sisters and mother would say, you know, you're talking faster. You seem smarter. And, you know, I was like, it's the frequencies, man. You know, it's, it's like, it was just, it was something Indeed. really engaged my brain. I believe what it did for me is it created new neuro pathways. Um, and I would always tell people it's a new way of believing because the brain was limited. It was almost like spider webs. And the more that I was using this music and facilitating, becoming a creator and facilitating different brainwave states, whether that was for focus and productivity or whether that was for pain relief and, you know, uh, anxiety relief, um, you know, you can target different frequencies uh, that will facilitate brainwave states that help you to create that change uh, that you're needing. So for me, the binaural beats are really powerful. Um, but what I was going to say about that is that the personal frequency coaching, what we do is we're targeting what we, we talk with an individual do you have any, you know, health issues? Like, are you epileptic? Do you have any seizures or anything like that? Do you have any uh, traumatic stress or any kind of, you know, issues like that? Okay, how sensitive to sound are you? Uh, you know, do loud sounds in large cities frighten you? Or is it something that really triggers your nervous system and your anxiety? Um, if, uh, if you listen to music, how much are you listening to music? So we, we get a person's gauge of where they are. And then what we do is we, what are your intentions for this work? What are you looking to target? And then we take three of their top issues that they're having, you know, as stress points in their life. And we start developing not only body organ frequencies and not only uh, chakra frequencies, but then we start working with some astrology as well. Like we're, so we work with Tulsi, the Vedic astrologer. Yes. Uh, she's going to be on our, uh, she's going to be on the podcast. She's amazing. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And so, yeah, so we're working with masculine, feminine, feminine energies. We're working with planetary energies, chakra frequencies, body organ frequencies, and we're really dialing in a customized approach to engaging people on a personal level with sound and creating a lot of movement in that. So. Wow. Beautiful, beautiful work, Ian. Thank you for sharing and uh, congratulations. Yeah. And um, I mean, you've mentioned a little bit about uh, listening to Smile, uh, some of the modalities that you offer, but uh, could you give us like a bro broader uh, description of how would you, how do you um, share what listening to Smile is? Like, and how so, and yeah. also if I can, if I can expand on what Rose said, because I think there's also that there are other layers to your, your music and what different, you have different projects other than listening to Smile. And you yeah. kind of have a way of divulging different aspects of this music because I'm sure listeners are going to be interested. Obviously, we are, you know, we are uh, connecting our affiliation with you and, and connecting so that we can help get this music out and get people to be connected and to share and to learn from this. So just wanted to expand on that. Okay. 
Yeah, so I, when I'm asked what listening to Smile is, I say it's just a unique sound healing company that's specializing in uh, music licensing. And so what we're doing is we're working with mostly businesses and holistic practitioners that are wanting to be heart-based heart based and centered, um, and then being able to create revenue models that are supportive of their work that they're doing, as well as supporting the music from listening to Smile. So traditionally, when someone licenses music for like, let's say through Spotify or some other, you know, service like that, they're paying somewhere between $400 and $600 typically for a year of utilizing music and being able to use, you know, different music. Um, there's a lot of different licensing opportunities like product licensing, sync licensing. There's, there's tons of of licensing. But what I did was I went to one of my lawyer friends and I said, I'm not a huge fan of the music industry. I don't think it's supportive. And to give you guys an idea, uh, an artist today that's on Spotify would have to have a million streams of music to have 3000 US dollars, which is ridiculous. Wow. You know? wow. Tough crowd. Hey, how are <laughs> yeah. we going to make any money on this podcast? <laughs> well, well, I mean, this is not for the money. I'm kidding. That's why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, but so I went to my lawyer friend and I said, can I bypass the system? Can I just privately license the music directly to the people I'm working with? And he's like, mm -hmm. absolutely. And so that's what we did was we set up something and in that, I asked a lot of questions to practitioners, you know, so I'm working with yoga studios, uh, hypnotherapists, life coaches, yoga instructors, we're just tons of, you know, holistic centers, like Cliff Bar was our client for a while until Kraft bought out Cliff Bar. But, you know, so we've, we're working in a lot of different, different ways, but what we're providing is uh, every month we get music to them. They're able to utilize this music on uh, like, uh, social media. So things like um, reels on Instagram, YouTube, they can use it on their podcast, they can put it out there, as long as credit is giving to listening, uh, listening to smile for the music, they pretty much have free reign to put out the music in any kind of social media capacity, they can use it for retreats, workshops, one on ones, they work with their clients in that way. And then when they're when it comes time when people are like, I love this music, I want to get this for myself, when they sell the music to their clients, they're able to make a 30% profit, I mean, uh, you know, revenue off of that exchange. If someone signs up for our affiliate ship, they get almost $200. It's like $194 uh, on that. And, um, and then if someone is a corporate client or larger signs up anything in that higher, you know, ticket sale, they're getting 12% return on and so we call those gratitude payments and what we're trying to do is create a new paradigm of business where um you know we've had di different business coaches that will come in and say oh 12 percent is too much and you know you guys are giving away this and i'm like but we haven't we've never advertised and we're growing and we're in nine different countries now and it's because the word of mouth and the experiential uh you know the, i guess just the experience of the quality of the music the and, and the, the event the level of reciprocity and and where your heart's coming from. And just to point out, um, this is all custom music. All that we're referring to here is an entire library. And maybe you want to just touch on this because you have built this library. Because one of the other things that we learn is that, you know, it's hard to get. Like you go on Spotify and it's mostly spa music that is not, you know, it's mostly kind of just... 
you know, soft kind of spa stuff, but it's not necessarily this level. And the level here is very engineered, very customized, and it's and it's open to different genre. And I think it's just maybe to touch on that as far as the library and what because there's people are going, I want to hear this music. Where how do I hear this music? And you know yeah. if we're if if Sacred Dynamics is an affiliate with you and we want to share this music as well and keep this whole thing circulating so that more people can get uh, connected to it. What is what type of music? How does someone hear it? Okay, so when someone becomes a member. Uh, every month we put out a new album and it's based on the Vedic astrology for that month. So we build the albums on that. So you're talking five to eight songs every new, every month that they get in that membership. And then they get all the licensing privileges and resale privileges in that as well. Um, someone who, uh, so they would join the affiliate program and they could do that through you guys, or they could do that through our website. Um, that is a $777 commitment for the year. What we tell people is usually um, you can host events online in person. You can also do workshops, retreats, courses, products in this. And it's something that you have support for the whole year to do. So like in that support, people will ask about tech questions. They'll ask about PA setup, making playlists, but they'll also ask like, is 432 better than 444? And, you know, all kinds of questions. So they have support the whole year. Hmm. So that 777 covers that. Uh, for the entire year. And this is for and practitioners then, and this is for this people is for deploying this. And then yeah. le now let's 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 mention for the listeners who are going, I'm not a practitioner. <clears throat> How do I hear this music? Yeah. So we have something for the public called our wellness series that's on Bandcamp. And so we'll give you the link to that where you can share it with them. Um, and on that, we have about 12 albums that rotate out, you know, every few months where people have an opportunity to purchase the music. Um, those albums will range from $25 to $70. The $70 albums are about three hours of music. So it's a pretty expansive dive to get in uh, one of those albums. But the, the point in that is that there's also a frequency-minded music handbook. And so that's something that they can purchase with their albums. And it literally shows them how to do a sonic meditation at home, headphones versus speakers. It talks about the different tunings, all of the, you know, gets into the weeds of everything that they could want to know mm -hmm. uh, purchasing that handbook. And then the, the last level that we really work with is the customizable like coaching, the personal frequency coaching and the workplace wellness. And so workplace wellness would be a company that wanted to target, you know, through mindfulness, sound, healing and meditation, uh, a program of engagement that would up productivity, joy in the workplace, focus, you know, all of mm -hmm. that. And it's something that we work with them to build into their company. Mm. And you've had you've had. Uh... You've been approached by some pretty major groups. I mean, you know, I, we, you and I have been communicating for some years. And so, you know, we've had our uh, opportunities to, to bounce different things along the trail. And we've had some really meaningful discussions. And there's times where, you, you know, we're, we're having a communication. You're like, man, these, you know, these guys from, uh, you know, this major thing or the, you know, the U.S., I think one was the U.S. Air, Air Force or something. And I'm like, wow, I mean, yeah. what what is that all about? I mean, is this has to do with how significant what you're doing is, doesn't it? Yeah, I, so I, I'm not, I'm always in awe of like how the spider web spreads out, you know, 
But yeah, right now we're talking uh, with a client that is wanting us to work with the DOD, Department of Defense, on training, you know, things. Um, there's different training exercises that they've introduced with the U.S. Army and the Marines and things like that, that they're wanting uh, to utilize the music and training situations. Um, and there's different companies like uh, everyone from LinkedIn and Pixar uh, and, and, and Cliff Bar, you know, that we've been uh, talking with and just had lucky enough to have these engagement points. And so, um, yeah, but we also work with like, uh, like right now we're talking with a chiropractor and what we're wanting to do is very German new medicine uh, approach. I asked her, I said, how would you feel about developing a new modality that focused on body organ frequencies and the emotions related to some of these physical ailments that you're working on in chiropractic work? And we combine those like peanut butter and jelly. And so we're, you know, in the process of developing that program right now and bringing that. And it's just what makes it really unique is I, I feel we've created a mixing and mastering that is a little different, I feel, than traditional music. And I've, you know, trademarked it, listening to Smile, so LTS method. And then we created a trademark around frequency-minded music. And so it's just, it's inviting people uh, to have these uh, new skill sets like deep listening uh, mm -hmm. and, and looking at things in a different perspective from the beginning. So it's almost like if I were to show you a Tom Petty album, right? And say, hey, check this out. And then you listen, you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. But then I said, hey, will you watch the behind the music of Tom Petty? And then we're going to listen to this album. And when you do that, what happens is the level of engagement and the level of enthusiasm behind that music changes because there's this intimacy that was unveiled. Mm -hmm. This the curtain was pulled back. Yeah, the story. So you, you peel back into the story. Working. Yeah. And so I think that's what listening to smile is doing. We're very focused on intentionality on all levels and trying to engage the listener to be a part of the experience with us. Wow. Wow. This is great. Yeah. Great information, Ian. Thank you so much. I, uh, I have two questions. One okay. is, um, do you have the count of the reach, uh, of people that you've, you know, uh, uh, How many people have you reached with this with this uh, program so far? So far, yeah. Just yeah, to so just to get like an understanding. Yeah. So on an affiliate base level, or are you talking about like overall uh, in general working with? Clients? Yeah, I think overall, just to get like a, like a, like an impression of of the dimension or the, or the size of, of of your outreach, your efforts. Yeah. So right, right now, like as far as social media goes, we're about 15,000 followers on YouTube and about 40,000 followers on Instagram. As far as like working with people uh, on a like coaching level, my we're about four, it's like 400 and some people that we've done personal coaching with over the few like last few years. But the biggest number is the affiliates. Um, so right now we have around 200 affiliates worldwide. They kind of fluctuates. People come in and come out for three or four years, and then they'll go get a, a job at a hospital or something. And then, you know, new people come in. But right now we're at about 200 affiliates worldwide. But the affiliates, what's really cool is they're doing three or four events a month. Uh, and it's some of them are uh, online, some of them are in person. And at these events, you might get anywhere from 10 to 12 to 50 people, uh, you know, at these events. And, and it, just that turnover rate, all of the different people that are experiencing this music. And so for me, 
it's not even the numbers. The cool part about it is the collective consciousness, knowing that right. the humbling experience of creating an album that is so intentional, and then it's shared around the world and all these groups of people are listening to it that same month around cool. the planet. That's activity. powerful. It's so cool. Yeah, it's very, very cool to be a part of that. Much better than the number. Congratulations, man. <laughs> yes, yes, Congratulations. Yes. And we, we, we spoke about um in uh you know we talk about how this this uh this intention and this re being able to connect to others and you know this whole idea with the music and this communication through the music you know this is a beautiful outlet as you know we're talking about restoration and that is the restoration of this self and to awaken to our our you know to our true identities and how that spreads and we're seeing that and experiencing this this shift in humanity and since you know since all is music and all is sound uh it seems like you're in the right chair brother seems like you're in the right spot absolutely it's so, it's so funny when tulsi did a reading on me she told me that i was made to do what i'm doing and i just thought that was such a cool experience when she did my chart mm -hmm. um like you're you're made to be doing what you're doing and i just thought that was really cool um, I, I don't doubt that at all no oh, yo yeah absolutely <laughs> and then i have another question that it it might be uh, outside of the of the um, of what we are talking about but not necessarily and this is more like a, a personal uh, curious question and it has to do with the uh, bluetooth uh, pods that are so common right now uh, or nowadays everyone is using them all over and uh, in in my thinking, uh, this technology uh, are these two pods are connected via Bluetooth one to the other, and that generates some sort of connection that goes right through uh, one's brain. Uh, yes. Is there like a recommendation of not necessarily using those and sticking to cable cable uh, audio wear or things like this? Can you see that right there? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so this is a company called Aries Tech. And what they make, it's really, I don't know if you can see the center, but you can definitely see yep. the etchings. It's just really cool. So this is my phone. I I get a case that covers my phone. I have a block on the, the front camera as well so that the camera can't record unless I want it to, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then this this button here basically greatly uh, reduces the uh, RF and EMF, uh, you know, um, damage that my body is receiving. This generates about a six foot field. Um, and I can't go into the technology because I don't know that I fully understand it, but I have seen that this. I thought you were going to say because it's alien technology. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, and but I can't company... mention it here. <laughs> This, this company is somebody that we partner with. And so anytime someone has to use wireless headphones, we suggest this. And you can check out their website. It's just ariestech, I think, .com. Mm -hmm. um, but they these buttons, it's the, one of the few companies that I've seen that has three different triple blind studies. And it shows the effectiveness of this with those signals. Um, and so anytime someone has to use wireless, we ask, we, like we suggest, uh, you know, maybe one of these devices or something like it that mm -hmm. you would want would really help 
uh, that situation, but we always stress wired headphones. Like, so mm -hmm. anytime that we're doing headphones, we use wired headphones and we suggest that to the people that are working with us, whether it's a personal client or an affiliate, we just talk about that. Those signals being so close to the brain are so detrimental over time. And I think that a lot of people, those new AirPods that came out, the chargeable ones, the wireless ones, um, if you look at a lot of the studies, they're highly damaging, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to the body. And so, you know, there's sounds like that whole 440 Hertz thing coming. Well, you know, sounds like we here in the sacred dynamics podcast, we love to give our audience, uh, some golden nuggets. Yes. And, uh, this is one, one of them, you know, mm -hmm. because I, I personally was, uh, accustomed to using those Bluetooth, um, wire, uh, uh wireless. wireless. And uh, yeah, after reading about it and finding out that there's actually some level of impact, detrimental impact, um, I thought it was very um, important to mention it here with a, such a ma uh, subject matter expert, my friend. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's definitely something to really think about. And, and um, you know, the, those companies and companies like that will sell things for room protections um, you know, and, and some people think it's woo woo or not real, but there's a lot of companies that have a lot of data showing, you know, the effectiveness of those products. And I think it's something to look into for sure. Nice. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So, um, I yeah. I to say one more thing. So one of the things I would like to do is our program to become a member. We have people who are just members because they want the monthly music. The monthly music only comes to the affiliate, so it doesn't go to the public. Right. And so there's a lot of people, I would say about 12 to 13 people are members just to do the music on their own. Uh, you know, how much to, music to, is there? What is the library uh, like for a, that? For an affiliate? Over 800 songs. We have over 800 songs in the library. Wow. But, um the members get the write-ups, the astrology write-ups, all the frequency write-ups. They get a video from Tulsi and they get a video from us and they get just all of the music and all the functionality right. behind the music. But if a member wants to sign up through you guys, if someone's like, hey, this sounds really cool, I want to be a member, we're going to take $177 off. So it drops it from 777 down to 600 and they can do that through you guys and your code that you'll share with them. Mm -hmm. um, and that'll give them a reduced price through buying through you than they would get from our website. And that gives them an incentive to sign, nice. to sign up. I'm sure and we'll then, have some practitioners and, and people listening in. So absolutely. Yeah. And then you guys will get a kickback on each of that, that will be supporting your programming and the things that you guys are bringing into the world as well. And that's what we're talking about. And there's gratitude payments and kind of creating a new paradigm. It's not something that you guys have to do, but if you guys bring people in, we want you to be compensated uh, for, you know, having me on as a guest, taking the time to talk about it with people, all of that stuff. And so, um, yeah, I just feel like this is the way that you build business. You support each other in that way. And it's helpful. No doubt. Reciprocity. 100% Res reciprocity. Right? We're all up on that. Oh yeah. We're all about it. Absolutely. So where, where are we taking this? Well, I mean, we've, we've spoken a lot of many, many things. Uh, we really appreciate you, Ian, being here. And we are very, very thankful for you sharing all of the information that you brought and uh, spending this uh, almost hour and a half uh, together 
talking about so many relevant uh, pieces of information. So really, really from the whole Sacred Dynamics team, uh, thank you so much for, for being here. Jay, do you want to comment oh. something before we... Yeah, thank you, Brother Ian. I appreciate you so much. Um, I just want to say from my heart that you are most definitely an incredible individual. We're so grateful to have you on uh, our podcast. Wow, our first guest being so incredible. Um, I appreciate you very much. And the music is, by the way, absolutely incredible. And I have had, you know, a beautiful opportunity to have uh, had some exposure to it. And I have a discerning ear and uh, and appreciate it so much. And it is absolutely top notch, very, very quality. And so super grateful for it. Grateful for you. Um, I think that Man, we want to we want to be able to book another future spot so we can dig into some more of the frequency stuff, dig into more of how it works, dig into more of that stuff. I mean, man, we just keep going if we could. Oh yes, <laughs> it's it's incredible because you start you know just scratching the surface and it's endless. It's endless. Yeah. It's really quite impressive. Yeah, thank you guys so much. It was awesome being on, on here with you today. Thank you, my friend. So. There you have it, friends. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us by sharing the, the podcast with your friends and family. As you know, our mission and purpose in this podcast and in Sacred Dynamics is to support the restoration of humanity through the healing and awakening process. The true commitment starts with oneself and then radiates outwards to all beautiful souls. Make sure you tune in into our next episode because we are going to cover mind-blowing content. And here's a sneak peek. We will talk about distraction, deception, conspiracy, truth, and saving the world. But wait, which one? Which world? Which world are Ooh, we saving? Good point. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> So yes, <laughs> definitely engage with us and please connect. Yes. Connect with us through the different channels. No? Yeah, thank you. And uh, you know what? Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Brother Ian, for being here. Really grateful. We're going to link some things in show notes related to this stuff, related to uh, listening to Smile, related to how people can get in contact, can get in contact with us. Um, super grateful. Uh, thank you for listening to the Sacred Dynamics podcast. And until next time, guys, stay connected through conscious breath and grounded presence. Namaste. Namaste.